Michael. And this is Kyle. Oh, okay. Michael. Did you cut out or did, did we cut out? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, well, I'm your host, Michael. That's Kyle. This is Kyle. Yep. Hello? Mike. Hello? Mike. I can hear you. Great. Oh, man, we're cutting out. <laughs> Let's try this again. Seriously? Hey, it's internet, man. What, what am I supposed to do? Get an ethernet cable. I mean, I'm in Chicago now. I'm not in the boonies where I was. We're doing okay. It's okay, right? Uh, yeah, let's see. Let's see. Well, it's just, it's just a matter of consistency, you know, going through the episode. Yeah, it'll it'll it, it'll be all right though. It's I'm in Chicago. We have internet here. It's just one fluke. It'll be okay. Right. Okay. Welcome to Twin Peeps. Great. Now that was an intro. <laughs> Can that be the actual intro? Us having technical difficulties. Sure. Great. I don't see why not. Uh, <laughs> it's as good as any intro we've done thus far. Great. Uh, I'm your host, Michael. And this is Kyle. Kyle, did you cut out? I'm just kidding. Just God kidding. damn it. Oh. Uh, anyways, welcome to Twin Peaks, where we talk about the show Twin Peaks. Uh, yep. Kyle's an old pro, and I'm, uh, but a new, uh, a new fan. Yep. Uh, today we're talking about season two, episode three. What's the episode title of that, Kyle? It is the man behind the glass. Man behind the glass. Yes. Not exactly sure what that means right now. Uh, I, I think. I'm sorry? Should I know what that means? I think it refers to Harold Smith. Um, he's the man behind the window glass and the man behind the glass in the um, in his house with the flowers. Check. And I have a lot of questions. There's a lot of new characters in this episode today. Yeah, a surprising amount. Um, it, this isn't usually a question we ask, but just off the top, is this a good episode? It, yeah, I think that's why I'm not uh I don't have a whole lot of uh notes for this episode. It's it seems very it's not even like expository. It doesn't offer a whole lot as far as plot, but it doesn't really go in super interesting places. See, I think you are a little jaded because I thought this was a good episode. Um and there's a bunch of new characters, and I'm uh, intrigued by a lot of stuff. Um, sure. I, I get that it's, yeah. I, I think you're right. It yeah. really lays into the, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, the soap opera parody in this episode. Yes. Yeah, especially with, like, the Dick Tremaine stuff and whatnot. Yeah, and talking about, uh, what's his face? Uh, Leo being in a coma. That's such a, that's such a... Uh, a soap opera thing like sure yeah. in real life people are in comas but a lot more right. in soap operas and this in in this very specific circum set of circumstances with shelly yeah oh it's great let's i'm excited to get into it but apparently you're not but well i'm, uh, gonna, I'm gonna get you excited about it well what we'll, i'm excited to get into is my uh short summary yeah the outset. fire away you ready for it yeah all right Ronette was hiding a letter B. Coop reveals his meetings with the giant. Donna meets the reclusive Harold Smith. Cooper and Harry de- 
discuss RBT. Hawk is back and meets Richard Dick Tremaine. Leland knows Bob from his past. Lucy and Dick have the worst chemistry slash date. James and Maddie sitting in a booth. Blackie holds Audrey for ransom. Mike talks shoes and takes his meds. Shelley refuses to talk about Leo. Mike is on Bob's trail. Ben warns Coop about Audrey. Audrey meets Jean Renault. Without chemicals, Mike points. Nadine is alive, is super strong, and believes she's 18 again. Jacoby testifies under hypnosis. Donna leaves flowers for Laura. Maddie and James smooch. Leland gets arrested. Donna runs to Harold Smith, and a diary appears. Boom. Yep. Yeah. That's a good synopsis. Um, so much to talk Thank about. You. Let's, let's get right into it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, started out with weirdest character. Yeah, this is a. Do you want to take this one first, or uh, I'll take. It I first. feel like you should because you're the first one. This is your first time seeing this episode. Um, I this is a little. Uh, this is classic of me to say, but I'm just gonna go with Doctor Jacoby in this one. <laughs> it's yeah, not a bad contender. Um, so. How about we go over just the new characters? I'm sure we can go into a bunch of them in more detail soon. But we sure. have Jean Renault. Yep. Who is the brother of Jacques Renault. Brother of Jacques Renault. Terrible accent. Yes. Um, we have Blackie's sister, who we don't barely in there. Spoilers, she's not very important. Yeah. Um, we have Dick Robertson, uh, the baby daddy to... Oh, man, I was doing so well with names. No, it was, uh, it was Richard... Dick Tremaine, but is isn't isn't Dick sh- the nickname for Rich uh, uh, for Richard? Yeah, so it, like his name is Dick Tremaine. Yeah, he will also be referred oh, to as sure. Richard. Sometimes. I said Robertson. That's yeah. that was somebody totally different. Yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> we have him. Um, he's a uh, um, wait, he works in men's fashion at the Horns Department. Store. He, he works in men's fashion. You know, let's not even talk about him yet because. Well, we're gonna, I can go right into them. But other new characters. Right. Um, we see a little more of the Asian guy who has the uh, same slick back hair that uh, Truman does. And I'm pretty sure that uh, – I'm sorry, that Coop does. I'm pretty yep. sure that's his long-lost partner. I'm c- continuing to put that out there. Wyndham Earl. Wyndham Earl name. is his name. I don't even know that yet, though. Um, no, you do. Um, well, you don't know if that's him, but you do know that's his name. Okay. That not <laughs> – not the man's name, but the name of his former partner. See, who that I, may or may not be. I don't. I don't even like where this conversation is going. Um, no, I like that's not even spoilers. I'm saying Coop's okay. former partner's name was Wyndham Earl. Check. Yeah. Um, and the other character we meet is Harold Smith. Um, yep. Who is very handsome. He's yeah. We, he's doing all right in the face department. We were having a discussion over the most attractive person. I think this goes over Audrey's. Uh, brother emotionally challenged brother that's the nicest way to put it um, that's how the show puts it <laughs> yeah um, he has emotional problems yeah but he's a uh he's the guy who lives uh in the house alone he's got agoraphobia is that it basically yeah uh, if not by a different name yeah he was but, talking about his orchids are those fake orchids or are those real orchids uh i could see it either way honestly because I don't know how an orchid can grow without, you know, sunlight. Um, oh, as in, I, with the um, in the fiction of the show, yeah. they're real. Oh, yeah. they're supposed to be real. Cool. I was just double yeah. checking. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. But uh. Yeah. He's uh. 
very interesting, and he has to go to the exact end of the episode. He has apparently Laura's diary, which I already thought we already had Laura's diary. Uh, and we do. It's a. Um, it's unexplained yet why that diary is at his house. Yeah. Um. But he. Uh, he apparently knows her very very well, as yep. apparently many men. And the show do. Right. Uh, were they lovers? I think that's definitely a question to be asked. Um, and it's probably yes. It's uh, it's unclear. Yeah. Really. So um, um, I think he could be the weirdest character or it could be Dick Tremaine. Dick Tremaine has a, uh, has a, uh, a vine for it. But I got to go classic and say Dr. Jacoby. Sure. Um, um, due to the hypnosis scene. Yeah. We see in, him in his hospital bed where he has a wife, by the way, yeah. that is uh that's another character that we meet is Dr. Jacoby's wife who lives on at their, uh, second home in he Hawaii has two homes. Apparently. <laughs> why, why does he have a, why does he spend some of his time in Twin Peaks and some of it in Hawaii? Why not just move to Hawaii? Right. Um, yeah, he has such a, such an affinity for Hawaii. Yeah. And she's gorgeous. Yeah, oh, of course. She's she's like a native Hawaiian, half his age, and she's gorgeous. Um, yep. But when we walk into his room, and suddenly they're playing Hawaiian music, and it has a net behind him, and yeah. uh, he ha- he knows how to be hypnotized, um, and it's all about golfing that really gets him in the zone. And then the really weird thing for me is. The whole point of hypnotizing him was to find out what he saw the night when Leland was strangled. Yeah, which seems a it it's a weird thing to hypnotize someone for because he doesn't seem to have any difficulty recalling any of it. It seems like he was awake for it, right? And I can understand doing that if it was like years and years ago, but it was literally a week before. <laughs> and if he woke up and saw Leland Palmer murdering Jacques Renault. He'd remember it. Right. I don't know why they just didn't ask him. I don't know. It might have also been something that that Jacoby insisted on doing because he is ready to go with the hypnosis. (laughs) He's so excited about it. It's like, I've done this many times before. Here's your... uh, (laughs) I've prepared a little something for you to read. Exactly. And let's do this. Um, But yeah, I... Great... um, Great weird character. I love Jacoby. It's been a while since he's been a super weird character. It's been since like a very early uh, episode in the first season, I think. So yeah, he hasn't really had much time to shine. I know, but he's back out there. Also, speaking of, um, Andy's not in this episode at all. Nope, completely gone. Um, maybe because I was too harsh with him last week. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I, I really hope that the writers were like, oh, maybe we got to tone this down a lot. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, Let's not being so vindictive towards this guy. Um, but yeah, Jacoby's a slam dunk for weirdness character. Um, what? Uh, who did you pick? Um, I, I actually didn't pick Jacoby, like even as a backup. Okay. And I think mostly because it seems like the whole... What happens in that scene seems very much already in line with his character. You it's know? true. It's true. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't recommend it for worst scene or I'm sorry, weirdest scene. I'm recommending right. it for weirdest character. Weirdest character. Sure. Um, 
But I guess if I were to, I don't know, I I put down Harold as kind of a, a new answer because I didn't want to double down on someone who I already said before. He's not but that if we were weird, talking, I, I know. That's the thing. Like With the two notable exceptions, my other answer was Nadine. Oh, um, oh, Nadine's a great choice. Yeah, with Nadine and Jacoby being exceptions because we've already talked about how weird they are, he was kind of like the next best one. Yeah. But if we're doubling down on past answers, you got to go with Nadine. Yeah, and Nadine, great soap opera trope, wakes yep. up. And is convinced that she's in high school now. Yep. Um, and has superhuman strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see. Um, yeah, I, I wrote down Nadine is terrifying. <laughs> yep. She Yeah, superhuman strength breaks through... Uh, breaks through the chain restraints because, because she's she, through yeah, leather restraints. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, also, uh, Big Ed gets to sing in that scene. Yep. And he's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. It Every single time I see Big Ed, I like him more, and I like Nadine less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So... I mean, yeah, you don't need to over-explain Nadine. I get, I, I, I get what you're talking about. No, yeah, I'm just trying to remember what song it is that um, it that a, Ed sings to her. Oh, it was like a mountainy song. Um, yeah, um, on top of Old Smokey. On top of uh, Old Smokey. Let's see. I keep talking. I want to look at the lyrics of these because I think if I, when are I was you trying to, it? are you going to sing it for the show? Oh, I'm not going to sing it. Oh, but come on, you can sing. I, I want to look up. The uh, lyrics here. He's probably singing the uh, Hank Williams version. Can, um, can you sing it, please? <laughs> Come on. Uh, You're really a talented singer. Uh, well, you've uh, been in a choir. Like, well, yeah, you, that's you, a different thing. You can say you're not great, but you can you can hold a tune. Sure. Yeah. Um, but here, here are the lyrics, uh, which I think are really pertinent to i mean it's cool that a they use a hank williams song for Mm. this i mean i know it's a hymn before he got to it but i'm sure hank williams was the person that ed is uh quoting it's very in line with that yeah um but the lyrics are also very uh pertinent let's hear those lyrics sung like on top of old smoky all covered in snow I lost her. My two lover. See, I don't even know the entire melody. Um, but, okay, I'm just reading these. So, on top of Old Smokey, all covered in snow, I lost my true lover by courting too slow. On top of Old Smokey, I went there to weep, for a false-hearted lover is worse than a thief. A thief, he will rob you and take what you save, but a false-hearted lover will put you in your grave. On top of Old Smokey, all covered in snow, I lost my true lover by courting too slow. They'll hug you and kiss you and tell you more lies than the... Uh, cross ties on the railroad or the stars in the skies on top of old smoky all covered in snow i lost my true lover by courting too slow yeah it's a good which song. sounds it's yeah and it's also very much in line with his situation with norma yeah i even though it's like very soap opery i like that scene um yeah for sure uh i ed is such an interesting character and i like seeing what's going on with him and norma mm-hmm. um i'm sorry nadine why does the two women in his life have to have very similar names? 
bad writing. Uh, nah, I don't know that's bad writing. Just inconsiderate it- writing. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I guess moving on to weirdest scene. Um, mm-hmm. What do you got? That's my one. <laughs> See, I wouldn't say that that was that weird of a scene for me. It it really backhafts the weirdness in, insofar as Nadine's super strength and her amnesia slash belief that she's 18 now. Mm-hmm. You know? um, hmm. My weirdest scene. Um, yeah, I don't really... I guess I could do... Um, what's the one-armed man's name? What's his name? Mike. Mike. Um, Mike, which, interestingly, we have not seen other Mike in quite right. a while. He kind of falls off the face of the earth for a little bit. But he, he shows up in okay. season two. I hope so. Um, yeah. him, and, him, and, him and Bobby, Bobby matured way too much. I want him to go back. He's doing insurance fraud stuff right now. Right. I want him to be causing trouble, getting in James's grill. That's what I want to see. I mean, they really stopped being high school students. You know, like they haven't gone back to school in the entirety of the show, basically. I was hoping. See, I was thinking about about that today with Maddie, just who just arrived in town and is just there. Yeah. Um, I think she. Uh, it must be summer vacation. You think she did it? No, it's it, that's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. That's the nicest thing I can do for the show is say that it's summer vacation. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense otherwise. Yeah, but um, I guess for my weird scene, I'll just go with stuff with the uh, one-armed man, Mike. Um, him the seeing bathroom. the shot of uh, Killer Bob and going to the bathroom with a syringe, um, yep. which I was very, very confused about. Right. Um, well, because like he, so he sees the picture... And then he starts kind of getting psychologically affected. Yeah. And then that's what the syringe is for, is to suppress that. Did he even get it in? It looked like he dropped it. No, he didn't. He didn't get it in. Um, yeah. So it seems like, and and we uh, kind of buried the lead, um, Killer Bob put that letter M under uh, Ronette Pulaski's names. Uh, letter B. Nails. Oh, letter yeah. B. Mm-hmm. Um, which we now believe is Robertson. Yes. Yeah. According to Leland's testimony about, uh, the, the family that, or the guy who lived next to him as a childhood, which we don't really have any solid, uh, evidence yet, but Hawks can get back on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess that was a weird scene. Just him completely freaking out. Like Mm -hmm. I just like, just tell Truman, what's up, you know? Yeah. And also the idea of him trying to sell shoes was very funny to me. Right? Yeah. Um, not to backtrack, but I was just kind of thinking about this in like actually after reading the lyrics to that song um, in Nadine's scene. Because the timing of it is very uh, specific, too, right? So mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Hayward tells Ed to uh, sing a song. Yep, sing a song. He's like, well, don't quite reckon what you're fitting to hear, but I'm going to sing this song, which <laughs> means a lot to me because this is what I'm feeling. And basically, once he gets to the lines that are about, you know, court and too slow and whatnot, um, that's when Nadine, like, crushes his hand, basically. Yeah. And, and that's when she wakes up. Withdraws um, into herself and thinks it's that she's there for, what, what was it, t- tonsillectomy? 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so I wonder if that's, um, I wonder if that timing is important. Like mm -hmm. if we're to think that, that, uh, that Nadine's reaction is tied to that song that Ed is singing, like that truth that he's trying to reveal to her about his feelings, but that she can't accept. Yeah. Could be true. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm always terrible at introspecting about song lyrics. Uh, something you <laughs> well, def is something you know about me, but <laughs> listeners do not. I'm well, terrible. Those are, those are pretty on the nose. <laughs> I guess. Cause like he was, he was literally too slow in courting Norma. Then she ran off with Hank and he was like, oh, okay. So then now I'm going to start dating Nadine. Mm -hmm. And then that's how they got into this mess. Yeah. So I guess she's going back to the time when, but before she lost him. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm on board with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, moving on to Bad or David Lynch. Um, yeah. uh, oh man, quite a few possibilities for this one. <laughs> um, can I, I, I'm curious to see what you have for this because I've got a couple, and I'm not sure. I was kind of grasping a little bit for uh, some of these. See, there were two that I had that are very obvious to me. Mm -hmm. um, I just wrote a note: Blackie is a terrible actress. <laughs> <laughs> um, when she's like giving a talk to Audrey Horn, I really want her to escape out of that place. It's very right? boring. Yeah. Like there were two scenes of just her getting injected with uh, a syringe, two scenes right. of just that. Um, but Blackie's just trying to be mysterious and giving like these, like, uh, James Bond villain style, uh, monologues. And right. it just wasn't very good. Nope. Uh, I, she, she, like, she didn't really do that much. I can't really talk that much about it. Uh, <laughs> but every time she delivered a line, she did it with so much, like, gusto. And, oh, I just wasn't a fan. Um, and then I think if Blackie's on the table, you'll have no other choice but to say Jean Renault. Uh, no, actually. Um yeah, because, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't think Blackie can do menacing at all, yeah. really. Um, Who, um, what do you have for your uh, Bad or David Lynch? So I... Uh, there were a couple that were strange. Um, one of the bigger ones was um, <laughs> Ben... Uh, Benjamin Horn has a very strange analogy when he's talking about uh, Audrey. Oh, yeah, but you leaving know, the light on until the hens come back? Yeah, I, I, it sounds almost like... So it's like a bird analogy, for yeah. sure. But it almost sounds like she's like a duck or something. It, it's a very strange... Oh, I think you're thinking of a different line where he's talking about that... Something like being in a shooting gallery. Yeah, like you better have enough buckshot or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then you're just clutching uh, feathers or something like that. Yeah, it, it's definitely avian, but I'm not sure if it's like... That was a very weird conversation where he very clearly is not worried about Audrey at all. Right, yeah. Um, I, in fact, he's, Even though he's the one who reported her missing. You know? Yeah, um, but he's know. accusing Coop of only following this because he's sexually interested in her. Right. Which is right. Then, very plausible, but not like a great thing to say to an FBI guy. 
Also, but then, and also, it's not like he's mad at Cooper for being interested in his high school age daughter. Mm-hmm. He's like looking out for him. Yeah, you know, it, it's very strange. Yeah, um, but and, and she, but she's in legit danger, right? It, to be fair, I don't think either of them necessarily know that yet. Like, it doesn't seem like Coop has really put it together that um, she is at One-Eyed Jacks. I'm not quite sure how because he's able to uh, he's able to kind of clairvoyantly <laughs> uh, figure out facts in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, especially with regards to uh, Shelly yeah. and the insurance fraud scheme. He's able to determine what she's up to like that. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good uh, segue into worst police work. Yep. Um, so yeah, it, that scene was very interesting to me um, because with I Shelley? thought what with Shelley. Yeah, with Shelley, uh, Coop, yeah. and Truman. Because I thought he was trying to be like push her away and be like, "Okay, well, good luck. He's gonna be okay soon enough, and then I'm sure he'll love you." And like just sarcastically trying to prove a point that she shouldn't be protecting him. Right. Um, but then it turns out it was like totally, he was actually really upset at her. He was honestly upset with her. Yeah. Um, and he thinks that she's being greedy. Right. Um, but can it also be that she wants to be self-protective, you know? Yeah. It, it's a very strange, um, very strange for Cooper there. I, I made the same note. Um, like, so, first off, you got to give him props for being the super cop of, like, smelling the insurance fraud, which she was there to do, right? But um, but also, couldn't it be that she doesn't want to say anything bad about Leo in case he gets better? There's that. Um, but, like, they already have so much to put him down on. Then, like, the, he's the, already then going to jail not cooperating help out? What? How does her not cooperating help out then? Why why wouldn't she just cooperate if he's going to jail anyways? Uh, because I think I think she needs to have him home. Um, then if he's in like a vegetative state or something like that, or like just in his coma, or whatever he's at right now, because yeah. I don't think he's conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's there. Because, like, with what Bobby is suggesting, basically, is you keep him alive and you live off the insurance money. Yeah. Um, but in order for that to happen, he can't be uh, a warden of the state. He has to be in Shelly's care. Chuck. And also, in last episode, we've already seen Leo open his eyes, so. Right. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, going back to Cooper's reaction to that, so Shelly's there. He's able to determine, A, it's insurance fraud. B, she's a pawn in... Someone else's. Someone else's. I'm curious as to how he doesn't know, like, how he doesn't assume that it's Bobby. Because Bobby's really, like, the only person in Shelly's life that is that con- that she's that connected to. And I'm pretty sure he knows that they're a thing. Right? Yeah. Um, so there's that. But then also... He could have very easily also been like, he could have just stopped it right there and been more compassionate and just said, because they haven't committed the fraud yet. He could just be like, Shelly, I know what you're doing. Don't do this. 
and try to talk her down from it. Because um, it's not a great idea. But instead, he goes about basically letting her go through with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's weird. Yeah, he could totally try to like reason her out of this. Yeah, like I, I can easily imagine a different version of the scene where Shelley comes in, is stopping, is not talking to him, and Cooper just basically tells her straight up, Shelley, I know what you're doing. You're trying to commit insurance fraud. You don't have to do this. He's a bad man. You know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. Let's put this son of a bitch away for life. And yeah. everyone will be better off. Yeah. Um, it's very cold hearted of him. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. It, it's so out of character. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways. Um, yeah. So that's one big thing of uh, bad police work. The other one is um, Coop uh, talking about his dreams to uh, Albert. Yep. Um, which, why would you even say something like that to him, you know? <laughs> At this point, you know, he's not having any of it. Yeah. But, um, he kind of goes along with it. He makes fun of it, but he goes along with it. Yeah. I, I think he's, he's kind of along with the other, the rest of the police department in that he's seeing that it gets results. You mm-hmm. know? I don't know. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Any other any other uh, uh, worst police works? There wasn't a whole lot of police work, you know. Not not in this episode. Like, well, <laughs> that's wrong. Uh, there was a lot of police work, but not a lot that was really bad. I don't know. Um, except for that bit of Cooper being just kind of a dick to Shelley. Yeah. Um, what should we move on to? Uh, mystery bit. Uh yeah. Did we have one? Did we even have one last week or the week before? Uh last week no. Um or the week before, I don't th- I don't think. Oh wait, no, we talked to uh Austin Lynch. Right, right at the end. Yeah. Um great. So today we are going to be reading some fun facts. Yeah. Um I came across a couple of fun facts over mm-hmm. this past week that I figured were uh it'd be interesting to throw in they're not really uh relevant to this particular episode more towards the series at as a whole but yeah. uh, i think you'd get a kick out of some of these yeah and uh, actually uh to make this bit uh the uh mystery part of it mm-hmm. um is that uh the um so you sent me these all in advance so you're gonna be reading some and then i'm gonna be reading some that i told you not to read because they turned out not to be true after i did a little more a little more research Right. I, I can see how you might have thought that they were true, but yeah, it turned out that they were snopesed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, some common myths, or I guess, I don't know. I don't know how you've thought these. I don't know. I'm not calling you stupid, but uh, um, is, this, is this a bad way to frame this bit? Uh, <laughs> is this too mean? Yeah, I, hey, man, I, I thought, that they were, thought that they were plausible, but Great. I'm, I'm big enough to admit when I'm duped. But Great. hey, you you also believed them, you know? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I I, I had to go to Snopes. Um, anyways, right. but uh, Kyle hit me with a hit me with a fun fact. Uh, so first fun fact. Um, we're since we're recording this on Labor Day, this is actually pertinent. Um, so Twin Peaks supposedly started as a scab project. Um, you want to define scab? 
Scab is oh like non-union. Non-union, yeah. Oh. Um, so David Lynch basically, uh, quote unquote, crossed the picket line and approached ABC with his pilot because ABC was desperate for content, and so that was uh, supposedly that was a big reason why they decided to pick up the show is because they just needed something on the air, um, and it paid off as far as ratings. So uh, it might have also been you know the pedigree of David Lynch. And mm-hmm. the source material itself, they might have been genuinely been interested in, but it was also during a writer's strike. Um, so yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know. I I I don't really know of many writer strikes, but those are always interesting to read about. Yeah. Um, here's a uh, something that we originally thought was a fact, uh, but it isn't. But uh, Laura, Maddie Ferguson, and Sarah Palmer are all played by the same actress. Right. Um, so it turns out that is not true. No. Um, uh, because Laura Palmer is played by who again? Cheryl Lee. Cheryl Lee. Um, as is Maddie Palmer. And then. Um, yeah. Madeline Ferguson. Madeline Ferguson. Yeah. And, and then uh, Sarah Palmer is played by. It's, isn't it the mother of. Uh, uh, what's her face? Laura Palmer. <laughs> no, the mother of. Uh, Oh man! Oh, God damn it! I don't even have these facts well, well done. Well, there's um, um, there are two. I'm not sure about her. There are a couple of notable parents on the show. Um, yeah, I think I'm screwing it up. Uh, yeah, because uh, so Norma, the woman who plays Norma. Yeah, uh, she's the mom of Rashida Jones. Oh, that was it. And then um, uh, that makes so much sense. That yeah. makes so much sense. They're both like ridiculously attractive people. Yeah. Donna's mom is uh, Zoe Deschanel's mom. That's what I was thinking of. I got that one mixed up. And then Dr. Jacoby is the father of Amber Tamblin. Yeah. Um, is this is this another fun fact? Uh, could be. Or is this yeah. a bonus one? Is, there, is that a bonus one? It's a bonus fact. Bonus fact. Can we have a theme song for the, the fact thing? I think I think this, this deserves a theme song. Uh, I'll throw one in. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for the bonus one. I'll, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, can we hear a, uh, a non-bonus one? Yeah. So, um, another fun fact, there's supposedly an extended cut of the pilot that, um, basically wraps up the plot of the series within a self-contained episode. And it was made in case ABC decided to pass on the show. Is this, a, um, is this viewable? I don't think it's viewable anywhere. Or it, I can't remember if it was, if it was filmed, like completely filmed, or if it was planned. Um, mm. But basically, there is some version of the show that is just a film, like the length of two, two and a half hours. And it was done. They had that as a back pocket option in case no one picked it up. Yeah. So then they could release the film in Europe. Mm-hmm. There's something about distrib- the distribution rights where it couldn't be aired in America, but it could be aired in Europe. Yeah, interesting. I like it when shows like kind of hedge their bets like that. Um, yeah, like Breaking Bad with the season that ended with uh, um, the Lily of the Valley. Mm-hmm. You watch Breaking Bad, right? Nope. Okay, <laughs> never mind then. <laughs> but they essentially had a season where they weren't sure if they were coming back, uh, uh-huh. so they made this really good ending that didn't wrap everything up, but wrapped quite a bit up. Um, yeah, it was wrapped very well enough done. up to be. Yeah. 
Um, all right, here's another uh, um, myth, I guess. Oh, yeah, myths and facts. That would have been a better way to frame this. Hmm. Um, but all the French-Canadian actors are portrayed by Italian actors. That's uh, not true. Um, a lot of them are French-Canadian uh, themselves, but they use is, Italian yeah. accents. And then speak back in their French-Canadian I don't know. It, so, it sounds like Italian accents to me when I hear it. Yeah. I mean, it, well, that's why it was it was confusing, you know? It, it sounded like a true mm-hmm. true fact. A true uh, Italian accent, but it's actually right. uh, French Canadians doing Italian accents. Yeah. Um, next fact, Kyle? Uh, so, apparently, so you know there's the um, the Cooper and Audrey pseudo-romance. It doesn't actually go anywhere, right? Well, it's spoilers. But you know, he's already turned down Audrey. So they could end up together. I'm yeah. shipping. Uh, <laughs> Are you just going to ignore that I said that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine with the term shipping, but I feel like, it, I feel like it's, pretty, it's pretty apparent at this point. That's, it's more one-sided from Audrey to Cooper. I know. It'll only live in our fan fiction. Right. Um, but uh, apparently, so as the show was originally written, Cooper was supposed to reciprocate Audrey's feelings and act on them. Um, but at the time, Kyle McLaughlin was dating Laura Flynn Boyle, who is Donna, and Donna did not like that. How, bi- how far apart were their ages? I don't know. I think Kyle McLaughlin was like around 30 when they started filming this. And oh, I think so Laura was like Flynn, five years older. Yeah. It, it's not bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, um wait, cause yeah, he, he kind of plays a little bit young or he, he plays a little older and then Donna and every, all the high school girls play way younger. Wait, hold on. I, the weird thing for me isn't that they were dating, but that, um, Lara Flynn Boyle was able to convince the producers that that was a bad idea. I think how it goes, and this is um, this is apparently according to Sherilyn Fenn, who plays Audrey. Um, I think how the story goes is that she convinced Kyle to convince uh, the writers to uh, basically have him back down from the Audrey romance. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very it's a very human uh, artifact in the creative process. But you know? like, it's a it's a show, right? That's very uh, childish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I've never been in that situation, and I probably right. won't. Um, but I mean, I don't know if I was dating an actress or whatever, like. She can make out with whoever she wants to on screen, right? <laughs> or whoever the writers say she should, right? Yeah. I, you'd, is it I easier to say that? Thing. What? Is it easier to say that, or do you think that practically that wouldn't be that tough to deal with? Um, I, I've never been in that situation. I think I could, I think I could deal with that. Yeah, maybe. Date an actor. Yeah, I'm really speculating here. <laughs> this right. is some wild speculation. Filter filter your Tinder swipes for actors. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got one more uh, myth. Yeah. Um, and actually, I uh, I have one more fact. It could be a bonus fact if you'd like. 
Can I throw uh, my my? Oh wait! Oh, I just did the. Wait, you just threw in yours in, right? Whose turn yeah, is it? So it's your turn. It's my turn. Yeah, I'm just letting you know that there's going to be a fourth. Um. Uh, what was it? Um. Oh, the uh, Mike, the guy missing his right arm, mm-hmm. um, was actually an actor who was missing his left arm, and all the scenes were just mirrored. Yeah. Um, that isn't true. He uh, he has neither arm. And uh, they were CGI added in. Right. Back in, back in 1990. Yep. Yeah. Great. Uh, well, so the, uh, the bonus fact then is uh, actually something I think uh, you and I will find quite nice because, uh, but you haven't seen Blue Velvet. Um, I have not. So Josie Packard, who we haven't really seen in a bit, um, apparently her character was not supposed to be Chinese. Um, I don't think the Chinese aspect of it really has any bearing at all, but, um, it was initially planned for Isabella Rosalini, who is the main actress along with Laura Dern in Blue Velvet. Mm-hmm. Um, for reference, she plays Jack Donaghy's, uh, recently divorced wife in the first season of 30 rock. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Isabel, uh, Rosalini. She's still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's around kicking it. Um, but yeah, she was supposed to play that part. And I think if I remember correctly, the name of the character instead of Josie was going to be like Giovanna Packard and she was going to be Italian. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, so the whole, like, Ooh, this exotic Chinese character is like this foreign beauty who's in this town that initially wasn't planned for the role. They just happened to cast her differently because Giovanna, like, or not Giovanna, Isabella backed out yeah. right before the show started going into project, uh, production. Did we ever talk about, like, if that's racist? <laughs> uh, I, I think we did. And. If we didn't, I'm going to come down on the side of it being problematic at the very least. Why? Why? It's, <laughs> it, it comes down to like this concept of like fetishizing otherness where the non-Anglo character of the show becomes like this sex symbol yeah, um, or not not really even sex symbol, but like a, a symbol of beauty that is. If she would uh, have been an Italian, you you'd have been cool with it. It would be a little bit, yeah, yeah. Okay. And for. <laughs> uh, but it was written for an Italian. It was written for an Italian person. Right. Yeah. So you just um, are unhappy with a Chinese person playing the role. I'm unhappy with how they do it. Okay. Um, yeah, because, like, I don't know. It's also weird because it's not, like, that's not their, that doesn't really seem to be their intention. Um, mm-hmm. With the occasional, I mean, Josie has a, a strong accent, and with the occasional reference to her Chinese heritage, they don't, like, they don't super lay into that. Her house isn't decorated with, like, dragons or whatever. Um, I don't know. It, it's a toughie. It's a tough one. It's, it feels very much in the similar vein um, 
especially because like Asian women, there's a thing in our country with, uh, yeah, lifting Asian women up to like a, a beauty pedestal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and because it, it kind of just falls into that trap, it feels very much in a similar vein to having Deputy Hawk be the tracker. Yeah. Totally valid. Yeah. I'm sure I didn't really make a cogent point there, but, you know. Yeah, no, that it was, was good. Yeah. Um, hold on. What do we got next? Um, oh, was that the last fact? That That's all I got for you. Um, uh, okay, well, let's move on to uh, best music cue. Do we have much to say? Um, I noticed they use the guitar theme uh, of... Uh, of um what's his face um who played the guitar line uh james yeah james is a guitar thing that's played again yeah um i i think that i thought that was cool um yeah. what scene was that during Ooh. fine um oh it's when james talks to maddie so it's now kind of james's scene um oh there was some sense. drama that we should probably very soap opera stuff yep um, caught so in a the, kiss uh, with Maddie. Right. This is where that. Uh, this is where that love triangle really. C- yeah. Cements. And it's moving to a love quadrilateral with. Um, uh, Harold Smith. Harold Smith involved. It seems mm-hmm. like she wants what he's got. Sure. I um, mean, as you mentioned before, he's he's doing all right in the face department. Yeah. One thing I really liked, very small detail that I liked, was uh, Donna uh, when she drove away. Uh, she's driving a, uh, a handicap van. Oh. Um, do you notice that? No, I missed it, but that, that's cool. Yeah, but she's got one of those, like, big van, uh, vans that typically, uh, handicapped people use. Um, right. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a cute detail. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, but I guess that scene probably speaks for itself, like, I don't know. It's kind of two actors I don't like a lot on screen. <laughs> Um, and Donna doesn't want anything to do with it. And I'm like, great, right? <laughs> find, find something better for yourself to do. <laughs> Go see what's up with that, uh, agoraphobe. Yeah. Oh, we also learned from James. Also, do you know that scene was very poorly ADR when James is talking to Maddie? What's um, that? You watch it again and like watch their lips move. Oh man. Uh, J- when James is talking about his mother coming back. It oh. seemed like that was ADR. He, yeah, like when he turns away and like, yeah, I, I could see it. It was just very awkward. Um, but mm-hmm. his mom's back, and he's given right. us almost no details other than the fact that she's just back. She's um, back, and I think he he mentions that she was like, you know, not not doing great. Can't he just um, stay with Big Ed? Uh, probably. Because his mom but, was in jail, right? No, I think she was just gone. She was just out. Was she a prostitute? Was that the was that a thing? Or am I just making that up? It's unclear if she was actually like paid, but I, she's basically like a user and kind of like yeah. a groupie. She's not, not like a good role model, at least. No, she's yeah, just like a vagabond who yeah just any disappears for months. Any other notes for best music cue? Um. I think there's one new theme in this episode, and that's for Dick Tremaine when he enters the uh, 
uh, the police department the first time. Can but we talk about Dick Tremaine in the next segment? Sure. Because um, the music theme is, there's not a lot of talk about it. It's very boring. <laughs> it's no uh, Millfire theme. Yeah. Wait, did you say Milf Island? Yeah. You Wait, know that you know that part of the show. Oh no no, I honestly thought you were talking about the Milf Island theme from Thirty oh. Rock, which is actually a really good theme. <laughs> oh it is. No, yeah, it's, it's a good parody theme. No, the uh, the Mill Fire theme. <laughs> Not the Milf Ire theme. The Mill Fire theme. Okay. <laughs> Easy mistake to make. <laughs> I did um, mention Thirty Rock earlier. Yeah. That's true. Um, let's, uh, get on to favorite character. I think yep. I already spilled the beans about who my favorite character is. It seriously is Dick Tremaine. I think you might be able to reasonably get upset at me about this. I'm oh glad Reshub is not on this episode. Wait, yeah. what? I'm glad Reshub isn't on this episode because, no. um, let me, let me explain myself. Sure. Dick Tremaine is such a crazy character that they've added to the show. He's. Yep. So clearly defined, he's this guy who's in this small town, part of the menswear department at, uh, is, is this, uh, it's Horn's uh, department store. Yeah. Horn's department store. That's what I figured. Yep. Um, he's, he's super, he has this almost European accent. Yep. Um, he's like trying to seem very like, what, what do they call it? Like Atlantic, the mid Atlantic. Mid Atlantic. Yeah. Um, he's like trying to seem really bougie and rich and like cool. He's a, he's a dandy as it were. But he, he doesn't actually, he just like puts up this very thin front. So like when he tells, um, I'm sorry, who'd the lady he get pregnant again? Lucy. Lucy. Um, when he he tells Lucy that he's going to take her down up to the space needle, but instead he just fucks her on the (laughs) horn department store, uh, mattress aisle, which in his defense, it was fun according to Lucy, but yeah, but he's so (laughs) terrible and, um, he's just a fun character. Was he, do you not like, do you, I know the character is not likable. Um, But the fact that the character's there, don't you like that? This is like this weird new character. <laughs> it's, I think it's kind of the beginning of, like, with him, this episode is actually, uh, it's weird. Because this episode, there are two parts in this episode that to me really kind of signify what happens in season two. <laughs> okay. And that's. Nadine's coming back believing that she's 18, right? It's it's just a very ludicrous thing that happens. And yeah. uh, the events that transpire from that are going to become ridiculous. And Dick Tremaine being a character in the show is also a signifier of craziness that's going yeah. to happen later. I think, um, like to put it short, these are two, these are two extremely soap opera moments. Yes, very um, much so. And I was looking up the actor who plays Dick Tremaine because I was so interested. Because <laughs> um, he's delivering a soap opera performance. Oh, yeah. Um, and indeed, he's like a soap opera actor. Sure. Um, he, he's a classic villain here. Um, but I, it's such a fun villain, the fact that he's this guy who pretends that he is super rich. <laughs> and he's like this really like worldly guy, but he's yeah. just going to like... Fuck the secretary on <laughs> on a mattress at a department store. Right. Um, 
and he... <laughs> what does he do? He promises her that uh, he's going to get her, like, a discount on the pants. <laughs> it's uh, so much fun. Yeah. He, he smokes a cigarette with, like, one of the cigarette holders. I know. Oh, um, God. He has an ascot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't even mention the ascot. He wears an ascot. He probably plucks his eyebrows. He holds his silverware uh, with he, the fork in the left hand. He brags that he holds silverware European style. Oh, he, that is a, that's not even like a humble brag. It's just like he brazenly asks her the question of, does it bother you that I don't switch my silverware? It's like something that he was focused on. She did not notice or care. Yeah, he was focused on. He really wanted her to know. <laughs> it's it's just it's such a good on point soap opera parody. Yeah, uh, and I really really like it. And I'm excited to see more of this character. I know he's like a shitty guy, but oh yeah, it's like yeah. it's like when I re- it's like when I want to see Joffrey in Game of Thrones. Sure, he's gonna be there. He's gonna be insane, <laughs> right? And um, so, like. Characters who who are self important are just hilarious to watch. So right. Um, See, there's I I totally get that, and I don't like absolutely hate Dick Tremaine as a character. Um, I think it's it's for me. I think the show is not as enjoyable when it starts to swerve into the territory of like parody, like soap opera parody. That's um, true. Yeah, I prefer it to be more of. Like, a little bit more nuanced, a little bit less. Yeah. yeah. Because Dick Tremaine is, like, a character on Eleven in all aspects of him. Like, he's so self-important. He's so obsessed with yeah. his, per- like, how people perceive him. That's a good point. There aren't, there is no nuance, and he has no redeemable qualities. Right. Exactly. Like, um, he's literally there for Andy to get in a fight with later on in the show, I feel like. Oh, yeah. And he's Andy's antithesis, more exactly. or less. Exactly. Yeah. No, but... Uh, He's stupid, too. Yeah. I guess stupid in a different way. But is he, is he, he's not, yeah, he's not really stupid. He's just not terribly aware of how his actions affect others. Whereas Andy can't operate tape. I guess. Oh, yeah. Well, he's, not, he's not a monkey like Andy. <laughs> Um, um, but I was a big fan. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. I forgot to ask the question. Is Coop our favorite character in the episode? I mean, not. I gave my short answer. He's not. Yeah. No. Um, um he, especially he not after that crap he pulled a Shelly. Yeah. I was upset that he did that. Yeah. It's not a cool thing to do. Before he explained himself, I thought he was just trying to guilt her into agreeing with him just in yeah. a kind of a weird way. But it turns out he's just being like, yeah, sure. She gets what she deserves. Um, yeah, and it's just so strange because the fraud hasn't been committed yet. He, I mean, I've already talked about this to death, but like he could steer her away. He could be like, no, don't do this. But I'm, yeah, I'm not going to. Yeah, I think he's pretend. just disappointed, I guess is the best way to. Yeah, and he, but he could still be disappointed and not allow her to go through with insurance fraud. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me a lot of that scene from uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory where. Uh, they're in his office and he's like really upset at uh, Charlie. He gets because, nothing. Yeah, that scene. Very similar, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Almost a shot for shot remake, in fact. And we'll have to, we'll have to rewatch 
or not rewatch. We'll have to continue watching to see if there's any uh, flying elevator rides over the city. Oh man, if there's a Wonka beater scene, I'll be very, very excited. Um, <laughs> can, we talk, yeah. can we talk about how great Willy Wonka is? I was just thinking about this the other day. That movie holds up. It's have fantastic. You read the books? Uh, I have not. You should read the books. Yeah, there's two. Road dull and horrible racist. Yeah, and more anti-Semitic than anything else. Yeah, that's it. Um, he's still a good author. I know, I know, but it, uh, it's it's uh, conflicting. I realize it's not. I shouldn't feel compelled to not support yeah. that because he's dead now. But if you uh, want a really fun or depressing podcast uh, episode, listen to the Dead Authors podcast. Oh where, yeah, uh, with Ben Schwartz. With Ben Schwartz. Yep. Where he he's Roald Dahl. And realizes halfway through that Raldo's a terribly anti-Semitic guy. Yep. And, and is just, like, kind of horrified for the rest of the episode. Because he was, like, one of his favorite authors. Yeah. And he oh. just never got to the part where he was, like, being, like, extremely anti-Semitic. Oh, boy. Yeah. It was sad. Yeah. But it's also good radio. Yep. Um, good quality entertainment. Watching someone's idol be destroyed before them. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> anyways, uh, favorite character. What do you got? Uh, I quote uh, to quote my notes. I put fucking Albert, bro. Oh, Albert's uh, great. He's see, it, but what's weird is I actually the scene that I'm referencing here. I also had that as a contender for Batter David Lynch, um, because Wait, it's so it's such a shift in tone from where he was to where that monologue takes him. But uh, I thought it was interesting because it's, are you, are you talking about where he loves Truman? Yeah. But I thought it was that he's, he's saying, regardless of my attitude says, I'm doing this like out of love. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he's, He's not saying he's going to act, and he's not acting differently. He's just explaining himself. Right. But, um, like, that that sort of, uh, like, non-violent, all of the, like, very zen, non-violent, not zen, but um, it just is such a, I feel like as a viewer, it's so not what we're expecting from this character. And then it's not even, it's not just that it's a, a minor reveal that, he could have offhandedly mentioned that he's like into Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. But he goes into this long monologue about no, I it. love I love that. Oh, it's 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 great after the fact, but it's yeah. a very jarring switch. Yeah. Also, you know? you you know it's one of the scenes where David Lynch is very obviously it's very a much portrayal of David Lynch. Yep. Yeah, he's Mary um, suing him, his beliefs and himself into that it, character as well. It's it's like David Lynch is the FBI in this show. Yep. Um, both uh, literally and uh, through their words and actions. Right. Um, um, but then also, so I, I'll read through this monologue because I wrote it down because it's great. Can you but, sing it? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but before that. I do. I do also like the uh, the character moment for him when he offhandedly mentions to Cooper that he was shot with a Walther PPK, which is James like, Bond gun. Yeah, that's James Bond's gun, and he's so excited about that fact 
No one else is, but he's excited. It's like, oh, he's a he's a Bond fan. He grew up with. I didn't actually. I didn't get that he was excited about it. I thought he was just saying it as a joke. No, I I don't know. I thought when I viewed it, to me, what it what it signified that uh, he seemed excited about it about that fact. As a huge James Bond fan, I'm going to rewatch that scene when we're done with this, (laughs) so I can see if Albert is a big fan of James Bond because he might have gotten favorite character if if just with that line. Yeah, like. How I read it was, hey, you were shot with a Walter PPK. And you kind of like, that's James Bond's gun. Waiting for a response from <laughs> Truman and Cooper. So not bomb getting them it. about James Bond? Yeah, because like they're not into it, but he's into it. And then I just imagined him as like a young kid growing up on James Bond and being like, yeah, I want to fight the bad guys. And... <laughs> He goes and does that. He joins the FBI, and he's this right. awesome FBI agent now. Yeah. Okay. I'm on board. Yeah. Sure. Um, but if I can, uh, if I can read this monologue here because it's pretty great, please. And I'm going to read it with as much conviction as he does. In that, I'm not. Um, so it's a you listen to me while I admit to a certain cynicism. The fact is that I am a naysayer and a hatchet man in the fight against violence. I pride myself in taking a punch and I'll gladly take another because I choose to live my life in the company of Gandhi and King. My concerns are global. I reject absolutely revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. I love you, Sheriff Truman. That's great. It's so good. I'm just smiling. Just thinking about it. Right. Uh, um, but yeah, so that's that's a favorite uh, favorite character right there. I don't think anything else needs to be said. Super solid choice. Um, um, that uh, great uh, segue to favorite scene. That's my favorite scene. Yep. Because that was my favorite character, I tried to pick something else. Yeah, but um, can I, let's talk about that scene as a whole a little bit more, just sure. to, to extend that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, Hold on, I'm looking for exactly my notes on this. Um, just, it's, they're them, it, they're in there, they they probably just ate some donuts. Yep. Uh, coffee on the table, um, talking new information. What was the information we got in that scene? Um, uh, I mean, were they just talking about the letter B and, and, and run out Pulaski? Uh, in that scene, yes, I believe so. They're like connecting the three letters. Yeah. Oh no, no. He's got the, he's got the chalkboard. He's got the chalkboard out. He's got the yeah. letters at the top. He right. has a psychic circle on the board. Uh, he's explaining his dream, uh, and the giant, which they keep going back to it. Explain like, how exactly is he a giant? Because that was a question I was having. Yeah. Um, cause he doesn't, I can't really ta- tell how tall he is, you know, from, right. Truman's uh from Coop's perspective. Right. Um he's got the chalkboard. Um it's great. I don't know. I was I was I was smiling that whole scene. Uh, it's just cl- classic Twin Peaks stuff. <laughs> Twin Peaks. Ugh. Yes. Um I loved it. Um Yeah, Albert loves Truman. I love that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh so you're going to avoid using that scene, but it all in all honesty, that's your favorite scene, right? I mean, it yeah. It, it's pretty up there. It's the scene I wrote down first, but then I wrote down this backup because I figured I should probably get in the right. second one here. Hit me with your backup. Uh, it's a it's a weird one too. Um, 
because I kind of like it more on paper than I like how it was done. Okay. Um, but I really like the scene when Donna goes to Laura's gravestone. Oh, it was very, very well done. Really? I liked it. See, I like, I thought the writing was fine. Um, there's something about her performance with it. That was like a little spotty to me. Um, but then again, I'm not an actor, so this is all armchair criticism. Uh, but like from just even the writing and the fact that she's there and what she's saying to Laura adds so much depth to that character, like even more mm-hmm. depth to her character. Um, and these conflicting yeah. emotions and just the idea of your dead friend. Yeah. And it, I, I just love the idea that she goes to her gravestone just to kind of be like, I got a lot of problems. <laughs> And yeah, like you were a shitty person and you're going to listen to all this shit. Um, right. and it's true. Like there, she's a teenager trying to deal with her life and she isn't able to do that. Yeah. Cause she's keep, she keeps confronting this ghost of Laura basically. And especially now with, uh, James and Maddie, cause like, like that is why James is attracted to Maddie is because Maddie is virtually Laura Palmer. Like even mm-hmm. Maddie says it in basically the next scene to Leland. She's like, everyone thinks I'm Laura, but I'm not Laura. I'm a completely different person. Can um, I go into that scene a little bit? Sure. She was essentially explaining how her character has no depth. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, all I know is that I'm not Laura and I'm here and I'm sad. And right. I'm her cousin. Yeah. Like, it's, if you, I'm sorry. If, if I was explaining who I am, I wouldn't. I don't know. She she was just explaining the things that she's known for in the show, but she could be like, "I'm someone who loves <laughs> to paint," or. But it, it's I it's she she doesn't have any character, and it makes me sad. I wish she had more character. I don't know. That's kind of it. Yeah, but it's. I don't know. I I actually really don't mind that for that particular character because I feel like that's that really is what like her lack of definition really is what defines her character. Like she really is this outsider who has no connections to anyone outside of the family. Um, who's just there and she's sad, but she's being dragged into all of this and she doesn't want to be. And that's kind of her like raging against that. Yeah. I just wish she had some type of identity other than, being cousins with Laura Palmer. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I feel like it's just like, that's uh, like, aren't there with regards to this particular instance though? And I don't know, like I wouldn't want every character to be like that. And I don't think I would even want like a second character to be like that, but having that perspective and having a, having it be, having it be self-aware at least in the writer's mind and even the character's mind where they know that they don't have any vested interest in this. And yeah. They're all very aware that, but I'm still being dragged into this, even though I have no vested interest in any of you people. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's an interesting way to handle that character. Like how do you make a one dimensional character interesting? You have them realize that they're one dimensional and yeah. 
then you kind of have the world react around them. Okay. Okay. Know. I'll give it to you. Um, yeah. And maybe it's not like the, she's not the best character by any means, but I feel like she's, she's interesting. Her presence is interesting at the very least. Yeah. Um, I, we actually got kind of off from the favorite scene. Sorry. I just wanted right. to talk with, about that a little bit. No, um, it's a good but, scene to talk about. Yeah. But I thought, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good scene. I thought it was really, I don't know. I, you, there's so many, such a cliche for someone to go to someone's gravestone and be like, oh, I miss you so much, but she's being like, screw you, Laura. Yeah. You really, you're making my life very difficult right now. And it's right. really true. Laura, Laura was into some really shady shit. Yep. Um, and she's, and, yeah, she's picking up the pieces and it wasn't that Laura died. It was, there was so much stuff Laura specifically did that was like immoral. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like it's very reasonable for her to be upset at her friend. Yep. Like running Coke and whatnot. Yeah. She does not get like a pass because she's dead. She can still be, um, someone who's making it life difficult for her. Yeah. yeah. Not that there's anything she can do about it now, but right you now. Um, is it, uh, yeah, I feel like, uh, I feel like we're pretty much done. Any, any other, any other notes? Um, I guess from a plot perspective, the one thing that we should note is that, uh, Leland Palmer gets arrested at the end oh, of this episode. Wow. Totally, totally forgot that. Yeah. It was literally in that scene we were just talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Leland Palmer is, uh, arrested for the murder that he committed. Right. Um, and that he, I, I mean, literally the only evidence they have was uh, via hypnosis, so I don't know. How that will stand up in court? Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, um, uh, I, think that, I think that might do it for this episode. Yeah. I, oh, you know what we should start doing? We should start talking about some cliffhangers. Here's, here's, here's the big cliffhangers that I'm excited to find out next week. Mm-hmm. Um, is Donna going to bang Harold Smith, or <laughs> are we just going to... Yeah find out more about them right um is audrey finally gonna make it out of uh one-eyed jacks i really hope so i've been hoping for a while yeah um is leland palmer going to jail Mm -hmm. and uh oh uh, i want hawk to tell me what the news is with uh um the information about Bob. The Robertson. Yeah, Bob House. Robertson. Yeah. And we might find some of those things out. I'm hoping so. Stay tuned. Shit that I don't care about, like right. what's going on with Norma. I'm just kidding. They're only Nadine. <laughs> um, and the insurance scam. Right. Hey, was Bobby in this episode at all? Nope. Oh, for shame. I know. It's really all right. a poor decision. Um, is that it then? Are we done? I think that's it. All right. Well, peep on twinning, everybody. Peep on twinning. Uh, what should we close the episode out with? Uh, uh, I don't, I don't even know, man. Uh, let's do, uh, trying to think of conversations that I've had with, uh, David Lynch. Those are always good. Um, let's close the episode out with, well, actually I'm going to, uh, I'll be right back. I got to hit up the uh, restroom here. Oh, well, well, let's just end it then. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> that was good. Take a shit. All right. Bye.